0: Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for grace upon our ears that you enable us to hear you. That is such a blessing that we don't have to really make great effort, just give it our attention, not be distracted. So we thank you, Lord. We give this time over to you that you might speak to us from heaven things that we need to know so that we can live in obedience to you and in victory on this earth, and we honor you for that. We love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about obeying the command of faith, amen, obeying the command of faith, or you could say obeying the voice of faith. Faith is always a command, amen, the voice of faith always comes off as a command. So, um, and that's really the difference, I think, in <clears throat> how you can tell uh, whether someone is is speaking in faith or not. Now, why is that important? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So, I believe that the there there is a certain level of believability on God's word, which is faith. You know, there's God's faith on his word, but also there is a voice of faith that that um, must rightly divide the word in order for faith to go out on the spoken voice. See, there's a faith that you can get as you read God's word. So you pick up the Bible and you say, Whoo, that jumped off the page. You know, we've all had that experience. That's faith, really, is what it is. it is. Faith is what brings God's word alive. That's the force that brings life to it and makes it believable in the ears of the hearer. So, if it's, for say, uh, a uh, historian telling you about Jesus, and a preacher telling you, a preacher who has, uh has, you know, the, been sent by God and has that message, it'll it'll be it'll be that difference. So the difference is that the person that is speaking must have faith in what he's telling you in order for faith really to be transferred to you. Sometimes people say things in a way where they're really, you see where uh, these situations where somebody will develop a message that's real popular and everybody preaches it. The more it's preached, the less it's believed somehow. You know, it kind of loses, you say, oh, that's that, that message. You know, or that, that, that's that, that message. And, and so it, it comes across as not real powerful in your ears, not real believable in your ears. And so there are different levels of faith that can be placed on our words. Say somebody, a historical knowledge of Jesus as a character in a book versus somebody who's born again there's going to be a different level of faith on that so faith always comes off uh as a definite powerful uh no wishy-washy no wiggle room in it um i was i was listening with someone they were listening to somebody they they were hearing on the radio and after I listened for a while, I said, who is that preaching on there, talking on there? And she said, well, I don't know. I said, well, whoever it is, I said, there's no faith on what they're saying. You understand what I'm saying? Now, to me, that's the first thing I look for is, is this person sent by God, by my God. And, uh, they were saying they didn't agree that they, I said, no, they're speaking the word, but there's no faith on it. When people go to the shoulds, oughts, coulds, see, there's no command there. There's suggestion there. So when we preach, we don't suggest. Amen. Because we go with a message from our hearts that's been given to us by God, and God's not suggesting anything. He knows what he's talking about, right? He's very definite about what he's saying. He totally believes what he tells us, whether we believe it or not, and whether other other people believe it or not. God believes his word. So when we come as messengers of God, we must be sure that we believe it as well. And then we can speak from what we believe. Amen. And so when when in that's the whole key to God's kingdom is making sure you believe what it is that you're speaking. Uh, if there's ever any any, uh, I guess you would say little holes in, in our story. That'll be felt by the people that hear which say. They'll know that whether you believe it or not, if they have that discernment of the Spirit on the inside of them. And sometimes sinners will know if you believe what you're talking about or not. You understand what I'm saying? So faith is that kind of thing. You know, it's something that's discernible, and it's something that must be expressed by us in order to please God. So, without mixing His Word with our faith, it's going to be hard for us to please Him. In fact, impossible to please Him. So, we can't just say something that we we're trying to say in order to see if God will believe us or keep trying things out. You've got to spend time in the Word and meditating on that Word to in, and embrace it in your heart. And then your faith gets mixed with it and it comes out sounding totally different than if you're just parroting it because you heard somebody say it. You know, you see people who uh, say certain things. Um, I remember I was in a church and people, you know, Christians or new Christians, don't know how to greet each other. You think, well, I'm in church now. I can't say hi no more. So you pick up. I mean, seriously, so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise our Lord, like a bunch of parrots. Amen. And and, you know, I mean, it's part of a growing process. But if it's a group pressure thing, if you ever say hi, it's like all the daggers in the place start. You got me. So there's a place where there's a group mentality or group think or group phrase that everybody feels like they should embrace in order to be acceptable. And then there's you and the faith that you have in God and speaking to you. What's he telling you to do and what's important uh, for you to say before God so that you can know his voice and you can know uh, how to live this life. See, the the whole purpose of walking by faith and living by faith is so that we can uh, learn how to live the Christian life you want to learn it to live in the kingdom and the kingdom accepts faith that's that's one thing you must do is have faith in God if you're going to live in his kingdom under kingdom rules and have the benefits of living in the kingdom and have peace with God and know you please God so faith has got to be uh, a part of what we embrace and what we understand must be that's what's acceptable to God see that's the commodity that's acceptable to God is that we believe him and so when you talk about um, why faith faith is really the the entry in the door to the kingdom and then it's also the the spiritual force that maintains your kingdom life down here on earth so it's really something god is training us how to live by see we're we're being trained how to live by faith and trained to obey the voice of faith see uh and it's no more complicated than that whenever god's word goes out you have a decision to make. Do you mix it with faith or do you just act like it's not there? You ignore it. You move on to something else or, or wait until something hits your ears as more familiar that you like better. And so if you're going to live by faith, you have to be ready to grab onto every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because, and then your spirit is trained to respond only to what God says. And then you begin to fight the world and the deception of the world and the, the uh, mistakes of the world and the, the things of the world. You, you fight it with your faith, not that you're out in the streets arguing with people. But you just put that resistance up on the inside of you. And says, "Nope, that's not God, and I'm not receiving it." Amen. Or, "I'm not. I'm going to put it on the shelf until God tells me what to do about it." And so, this is how He expects us to live. This is the way justified people live. We live by faith, and we live out of every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not just the ones we like. See, the grave mistake that people make, and I, I know that the uh, uh broadcast uh christian teaching has done a lot for us. I mean, it's done a lot for the body of Christ. And I'll never go back on saying that because it begins to be a lifeline to people from time to time. But what it's also done is it's cultivated a a, a generation of picky people that don't really have to the discipline of consistent teaching, they can go out and grab what they want and, and gobble up that. And then they're so sold on it, they start to reject things that God has that are good for them. See, there's a certain amount of knowledge that's assigned to you according to what God's called you to do and where you're placed in the, in the earth. And so God has certain things assigned to your life that that are going to be essential. They're essential for you now, but they will be essential for you in the future as well. So you got your whole life planned out for you. And he expects that you would receive the type of food that he puts before you to receive, not just what you like and not just what you think is exciting and you know, have you heard this and have you heard that and so and so's this prophecy and that prophecy? You know, that's all well and fine, but God has specific things that He has called us to. He's not a fast food God. He's not a gluttony God. He's not a garbage food God. He's a a God who has a table set before us for us for so that we can dine sumptuously in His presence. See. So so we're to have our meals in the presence of the Father at all times. And they have to be prepared by him for us. See, in order to violate that, you have to violate every principle that they ever laid out in the Old Covenant. Why do you think certain foods were acceptable and certain forbidden? Nothing wrong with the food per se, because we eat it now. We bless it. But that food was to remind the Jew everything that he did. Before you put food in your mouth, remind yourself to honor God with what you take in your body. And so if there was a forbidden food list, you had to look at what was presented and make a decision. Does God want me to have it or doesn't he want me to have it? I mean, he had stickers and like we put the post-it notes up. That's what he had for his people back then. It was posted notes everywhere. No, you can't marry them people that worship that false God. You got to marry your own kind. No, you can't go over there and live. No, you can't sell your property that I gave you. You got to hold on to that. That's your family generation. Even if the king wants it for himself, you got to say no to. Him. And so when you think about how God has specified everything for his people, why would he not specify that for us? And why would we not be more cautious and more careful about what we lend our ears to as spiritual food for us? Just saying. And so really what God wants to do is help us to learn how to obey his voice, how to hear his voice. Because many times we hear and we're not sure, even what we call seasoned Christians, Whatever that means. Of course, I don't like that title. It automatically ages one. Don't season me, okay? But anyway, (laughs) but but really, God wants us to have him in our lives. And how do you get God in your life? Because there are many occasions when we have an idea to do a certain thing. And we don't do it only to find out later that it was the right thing to do. You ever have that? And you say, something told me to do that. Or if the time goes by and, and you know, it was like something that was revealed to you later that that was God or that was the right thing is always God. Let me just put it to you like that. Because the wrong thing definitely is not. So if the if the wrong thing isn't, then the right thing must be. But you know you've been wanting something, and you you pass up on an idea to acquire it, and you see that you, everything would have worked out for you better than this thing you got right here, and you say, "I knew I should have done." Well, that was God speaking to us. It happens to all of us. And we're all being trained to obey that voice, that commanding voice of God, so that we can always please God, number one, but also wind up with the best results of what we are seeking in life. So God wants us always to have good results. He wants us to always be blessed. He wants us to always have the desires of our hearts all the time. But sometimes it takes us a long time to decide to obey the command of faith. So we're just trying to get a better understanding so we can speed it up a little bit and not pass up so many good opportunities and not be forever saying, I thought that. Now, see, I knew that. Well, if you knew it, why don't you do it? Amen. And so we'll have fewer missed opportunities. Fewer misgivings about things, huh? You know, you'll say someone I started to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, next time you start, finish, huh? Sometimes we feel later that it's too late to obey that voice, but God really doesn't call time on His promises, huh? See, well, see, the thing of it is when god moves he brings time with him see if you're talking about temporal things only you know like there's a you know certain time for certain things in people's lives you know and and, and you'll hear people say things that when you hear them you think well that's kind of silly to to think like that but it's easy to think time has passed you by in the accomplishment of certain things Because I've had heard people in their 20s tell younger people, well, don't do what I did. I didn't go to college after school. Now it's too late. Huh? You're only in your 20s. You know, you can go now. But see, the as far as Earth is concerned, the opportune time or the time when everybody goes is right after high school. Before you get entangled with family and things like that and you're burdened and it's hard, it's easier for you. Certain things are it's easier to devote yourself to study when you don't have a husband and children or a wife and kids. See, if you delay that, it's going to cause certain a little bit of hardship and maybe restructuring some things, but it's not impossible. So there are certain things we write off as impossible because of time, and that's not true at all. So when you talk about obedience, time is the biggest factor to consider. Think about it. Because time will come to play into almost every decision that we make. Amen. Because we're we're thinking in terms of Earth time. Ecclesiastes three, one, why don't you turn there? We'll start there instead of where I was gonna start. We'll just go there for right now. Somebody took it out my Bible. so it's ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 it says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven under heaven under heaven It says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, time to break down, a time to build up, time to weep, time to mourn, time to everything. And so. He says, though, that there is an assigned time for every purpose under heaven. So, number one. People oftentimes waste time because they don't have purpose in mind. Sometimes you're just bored sitting around waiting for something to happen to you. And that's why many times people waste time. Young people waste a lot of time when they could have some of the things that they desire because they don't know how to trust purpose, how to find purpose in life. Many times they'll go to away to college. And just be there floating around. And pretty soon they flunk out because their purpose is not to get an education. They're just going along with the crowd. Somebody gave them a grant. Somebody told them about this. And they got in on this. And they don't understand that in order to be successful at something, you have to find purpose in what you're doing. Amen. Sometimes people wait too long, they think, to get married or found find a spouse. because. They don't understand the purpose of marriage so that they could desire it and pursue it. And then when they finally start to come alive and awake, it's already too late because they told them they told them themselves it was too late years ago. You understand what I'm saying? So whenever time calls time on you for these things that are under heaven, you'll just obey what time tells you. See, time becomes a great dictator to you. As far as things, because of this scripture, it says there's a set time for every purpose under heaven. If you run out of time, you lose purpose. You got me? But if you can find a way to take time with you everywhere you go, then every purpose you have will be fulfilled. And see, when you introduce God into it, the purposes that are under heaven come under heaven's control now so what you're doing is you're bringing heaven down here on earth so you're not limited anymore to earth time see what i'm saying so the only way you can retrieve lost time is to get out of earth's cycle and get over into heaven's cycle and find out what god has for you in heaven and then ask him let it be so on earth as it is in heaven See, in heaven you see me fulfilled in my purpose, you see me happy, you see me married, you see my children obedient, well-educated, serving you, worshiping you, etc., etc. So let it be unto me on earth as it is in heaven. And see, it, in as long, as much time as it takes to fulfill that, that's what God will do. See, then you don't worry. Once it's given over to God, you don't worry about time anymore, or you shouldn't. Because time then becomes your friend. And time then becomes your servant to get you into the things of God that you need. Amen. So that's why when God says you're a new creature, old things are passed away. He really means that. That means that all the time the devil tells you you wasted all that time doing this, that, and the other. That's gotten back for you. See, that has to be true. Or God wouldn't promise you a new life a new creation life altogether problem is many times we don't take god at his word and put our faith in that and live fully in the faith of god in fact many people don't we get some things from god we allow him to do some things in our lives we we uh, get some things going right But then there's a door that we have to go into that's total submission to God. And many times we back away from that door because it just looks too threatening to us. You'll find your mind saying, you mean to tell me God can do so-and-so and 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 such-and-such? You mean to tell me my ideas about this aren't right? You mean to tell me God can really do? And see, that's when you're about to enter into the total supernatural of God because then you abandon all the shackles that earth time would put on you and earth restrictions would put on you see there are some things that you'll have to go against that the earth seems to be totally sold on and you'll be the only one saying that's not the right way to go (laughs) i just don't feel god lead me that way you understand what i'm saying and so when that happens that's when clocked into the purpose of God. You've clocked into the faith of God. You've clocked in, and then you must commit to obeying that voice of faith wherever it takes you. See, you can't obey it for a little while and then start to doubt and back up and want to go back where your friends are. You've got to continue to go on following the voice of faith wherever it leads you. See, Abraham did that and he found he's the only person on earth that, you know, uh, uh, Noah did that and found out he's the only person on earth that believed. Why can't, why doesn't that work like that for us now in our dispensation? See, at our age, we may be the only people who believe certain things about God's Word. And that's not, that's not something that should stop you from going forward in God's Word. That's something that should make it even holier and more precious and, and make you more obedient to accept it. Like David says, who is man that you are mindful of him? You know, some of the things that God calls us to do will strike that chord of awesomeness on the inside of us. We'll just be awestruck at what God reveals to us, what he shows us, how he deals with us, all of that stuff. And so we have to be prepared then to not be slow on obeying the voice of faith, but ask God to help us to keep up with him so that we can be quick to believe and quick to respond and quick to obey the command of faith when he brings it forth to us. Amen. Amen. So if we can bring heaven down here on earth. We don't have to be a limited to times and seasons down here. Because when we obey the voice of faith that puts God in charge of the season and the purpose. Sometimes we can think there's one purpose in something and then we start working in it. Later, God reveals to us what his purpose is in it. You know how that goes. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, I'll when you look at a simple thing like obedience, like. Somebody will send me a note or send me something encouraging and they said, they'll say something like, well, I was just thinking about you today and so and so and, and just, just, just to, to encourage you or just being obedient to God. See, on the other end, they don't know what your situation is. But on your end, it's dire. Like you really needed to hear that today because you didn't feel like encouraging yourself. You didn't feel like pumping yourself up. You were just flat on your back. Amen. And so it's see the voice of faith is like that. You just have to obey it because it's God talking to you and you don't have to know the details. In fact, very often it's best we don't know the details. And it's best we don't try to add any details in because we just don't know you know, how it's going to hit somebody and what it's going to do for them. And so it's just good to to understand that God has all of this under control. We are his servants. We are those who are called to do his will, and and his will is a good thing. But But we have to purpose in our hearts not to pass up so many opportunities to obey that voice. You don't want to live a life lamenting, "Gee, I wish I had done that," or and see, pretty soon condemnation will catch up with you and tell you it's too late to obey. See, now we can all agree right now there's no pressure on us. We can agree there's no there's no expiration date on God's promises. You can always obey God, but do we do that in actuality? See, when we know that we've we've missed it. Are we quick to repent and, and shake ourselves off and get up and, and say, okay, God, give it to me again, and I'll do it this time? See, that's what a, repentance, a repentant heart really does. It takes God at his word. It petitions God for his mercy so that he wipes the slate clean, and then that command comes back to your life to do it, and you get it right this time. See if if God's word is true, He looks at every day as a new mercy for us. Everything's fresh and new on a daily basis. In other words, he didn't go he doesn't uh uh wake you up the day after you made a mistake and remind you you made that mistake again. You know, especially if you've repented and you you've you know, gotten forgiveness and and it's cleared off. The only thing that that is left is for us to really believe God and take him at his word that all is forgiven. And if all is forgiven, you get another chance to get it right and to do it right. right. And we need to do that with more and more opportunities. More missed opportunities will produce fruit if we will bring them back to God and say, God, I recognize now my error can you trust me again to do that if you give me another chance god you know the vows we make and uh, often don't remember them next time it comes around we screw it up again <laughs> if you don't move out of that mindset see and so so it's it's good to understand that when god makes things fresh and new he brings a new opportunity for us to obey him because he's training us to obey his voice. He's not testing us and flunking us out because we make mistakes. And part of training is being forgiven so that you get another opportunity to do it right. Amen. That's why when when you teach, you have to cultivate and in, in, uh, lean into the fruit of patience with people that you're instructing. Amen. As well as be able to correct them. Now you don't get patient with people, make, let them see mistakes over and over again without correcting them and showing them the proper way to do things. Well that's what God's doing with us. He's correcting us and showing us the proper way to do things so that we'll, the more occasions we have to step out in faith, then we'll be more willing to do those things and, and allow him and allow him to prove himself to us because what's the worst thing that could happen if you step out in faith you find out God's not there and if you find out God's not there you don't end your life you go back to God and you say God I thought this was you I thought you were in this and it doesn't look like you're in this show me what's going on amen so God expects us to not let go of him in the process, to not negate him in the process, to not underestimate him in the process, but to have that boldness upon us at all times where we'll step out in faith and do some of the things that we feel prompted to do. Because we've proven ourselves enough times that it was God. Because it did work out in the after. You know, anybody can look behind him and see how it worked out and see if it was God or not. That's not how faith people live. See, when you say the just live by faith, we live by stepping out in obedience to that commanding voice of God and trust that he's out there with us. See, if you believe in the security in God, if you believe in the protection of God, if you believe God loves you and he's good to you, he's not going to let you step out and hurt yourself or anybody else. It ain't that risky. But he is training us to understand his voice so that we can live for him. We can live in the blessings and the promises that he's made to us. We can live in covenant with him. So that's all this is, is training us to live the best life we can because that best life is obeying him. And once we understand that that's all he's doing, that our neck is not on the chopping block with every decision, every step we make. and He's not going to hurt us if we make a mistake. Amen. And we don't have to hide things from him because it didn't work out right. Pretend like we didn't do it. We can be honest with God about these things and really understand that when you repent, you're showing God that you're humbling yourself to him and you expect correction and to be put on the right road again. See, you've got to believe that you have another chance to do the right thing. If we didn't believe that, we'd be, God would be out of people to use down here. You know, I love it when Christians point the finger at other people that they think have lived a life that doesn't measure up to God's standard. And I said, where did he find you at? You understand what I'm saying? You weren't born in heaven. You were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, just like the last guy. See what I'm saying? And so, we have to understand like who we are as new creation people, where we're going. There is a purpose for us being here, but understand also that we're not going to hear the voice perfectly every single time and obey him, chop, 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 chop. There are going to be times where we're not sure that that's God leading us and speaking, but you got to take the chance. See, you got to think it's important enough for you to step out there and do this thing And not wait for it to come around 16 times and then finally jump on it. You know, you got to learn how to to um, do these things when God says so. So and I believe part of that is keeping yourself open to God's word, you know, always inclining your ear because that's how you train your ear to know that's God. And so once your ear is trained to know as God, then your spirit will give you the motivation to get up and obey it. And then you'll be able to do the things that God wants you to do. And so in, in, you have to be careful that your own soul doesn't rob you of obedience. You know, there's some things that that you know God wants you to do. And you put it off and put it off and put it off. Usually it involves money. God, do you really want me to? You know, like you know, your own vows can come back to haunt you. You understand what I'm saying? Like I made, God, it's been years ago. I know more than twenty years ago that I would never give anybody less than a hundred dollars. You know, would have to have three figures because I wanted to honor God in what I was doing. You understand what I'm saying? And impress the devil because that shocks him. It really does. You add a digit to anything you are doing, and see if the devil don't get triply upset with you. You quit being a $5, $10, $20, $15, $70 giver, be a $100 giver, and see if it don't shock the devil. And it will also increase you in power in God. The things that you'll begin to command will shock you. And, and, and God had told me, you put on my heart, this pastor's appreciation. I said, oh, boy, I knew, knew a lot of pastors. So I had to decide who to give, what to give, all that, and this, so forth and so on. And it, it there was somebody came up that had a birthday and the pastor's appreciation in one month. I said, well, Lord, I think I should give this to this person. He had already moved on me to give to somebody in that family. See, and this is where your soul gets involved and, well, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm, you know, trying to take care of them and you, you understand what I'm saying. And so you can delay. So here you go with the belated birthday gift where it could have been on time. You understand what I'm saying? And, and see, These things are important to me because I know God's voice. I know not to try and figure out how it's going to be received or how it's going to be viewed or how it's going to be looked at. But you look at it anyway. So you look at is this God ain't that God? Well, God, if I do it this way, what are they going to think here? What's going to you understand what I'm saying? And so these are the things that will rob us. Of that edge of immediate obedience, because I think that's what God's bringing everybody to is immediate obedience, because I think anything later than that is disobedience, especially if you know it's God and especially if you wind up doing it anyway and you do it late and late doesn't have the same impact as on time. I can tell you that much. I can tell you that by waiting on God to do some certain things, you know, it doesn't have nearly the impact. And so it's easy to, even if you've made a vow to God and you are sincere about it and you've been doing your best to keep that vow, it's, it can be a challenge to do it consistently, to do it without second-guessing yourself, to do it without overthinking, and to do it without worrying about what people think about what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? You know, the devil say stuff to like, oh, uh, you know, they'll just think you're an old lady with any bags, you know, that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I am devil and I'm not ashamed of it. Huh? The more I can steal from you, the more I have to give to everybody. You, you understand what I'm saying? But sometimes you let those negative thoughts linger in your head and they'll slow you down from doing that instant obedience that you like to do. Because once you let the deadline pass, you won't get that back again to do it over in certain things. But God will continue to move on you to do that thing because it's obedience. But you want to do it quickly. You want to do it on time. You want to f- be fresh with God. Because in giving, the sooner you give, the sooner you'll get back. So you can't lose in, whenever you give in God's name. So where, where's the hesitation coming from? Huh? Just the devil sitting up listening to the devil. After all these years of hating him and telling him off and robbing him blind and taking from him, you still listen to him. You got me? <laughs> because it's so easy to do. So, but but you you need to understand that that God wants us to be immediate in obeying Him. He doesn't like us just delaying. Even when we know that's him that's speaking to us or we think it's him or it whether it's him or not, it's the right thing to do. See, a good deed is always a good thing to do. Your motive has to be clear in it, though. You you have to be doing this unto the Lord. God, take this offering. Do what you want to do with it. I don't have any desire on it. I have no nothing for me in it. You got me? Just you take it and do what you want to do with it. Once you disconnect yourself from that, it's pretty easy to be obedient to God. Amen. So we said that when God gets involved, <clears throat> he gets involved with your faith. Faith always brings time with it. And the minute that we obey, time comes along with the promise. Amen. Time will come along with the promise. Abraham uh found that out that it never got too late to believe God. When the minute you begin to believe, everything's fresh and new. Like God takes all that that delay, all that fear, all of the stuff that was attaching itself to you about what you're doing. God removes all of that and makes everything fresh and new. So you get new enthusiasm. You get a new amount of time. You get a new perspective on time. You get a new, a, a fresh idea about God. You see this, you begin to see Him as being someone who really cares about you because He's now engaged in your life. Once God gets engaged in your life, He brings that perspective of newness, that certainty, that assurance with Him. Whereas before you were sitting back thinking about that thing and you were all discouraged and upset and wondering and all of that, and the minute you obeyed that command of faith, whatever God tells you to do, if he says confess it and you begin to say it and and rehearse it in your ears, then everything comes out brand new. And the only thing that's changed is who you have directed that, that thought toward. You've directed it toward God now. Whereas before, when you thought about what it was you you were believing God for, it was all inside you. When's it coming? What's going to happen? Is it going to come? Is it ever going to come? Am I ever going to feel this? Or am I ever going to get that? that blah, 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 blah. Everything's inward directed. Once it's directed outside toward God, it puts a whole different flavor on it. Amen? There's faith on it now. There's life on it now. There's encouragement on it now. That's why he tells us be anxious for nothing. You know, worry is just your meditation turned in on yourself. Can I do it? What can I do? How am I going to do it? When am I going to get it done? That's all inward directed. It's not directed out at God when you think like that. That's why he says don't put yourself in that position. Push it all out here where I am. Let's get it out on the outside in, in my throne room. So we can discuss it and I can tell you what I want to do with it. See, so your perspective, your positioning is totally different. See, faith positions you differently. When you when you uh, start thinking about your life, you had always put God in it and, and position yourself where God is and not where inward is. You know, the older you get sometimes, the more you'll start to reflect on missed opportunities. And you'll think, God, well, what can I do? I mean, if this has gone by and then God don't hear stuff like that. Huh? He said, I thought you told me to renew your youth every day, renew your strength like the eagles. A new day is a new day every morning. What about that? Be talk to me about some old stuff. I can tell you what we're going to do from from this day forward. You got me? And so when we start understanding that faith commands us to direct our thoughts toward God, to direct our words and our expectation toward God, all of our conversation should be at the throne. It shouldn't be this concern and uh, everything's inside and everything's not right. You know, you'll have to learn how to look the way God looks at things to believe the way he believes about things. I've been believing God for some things. Coco has some uh issues with tear duct, ducts in her eyes being blocked. And and yesterday when I brought her home from the vet and God told me, he said, look at her eyes. And I said, oh, God, they're getting better. He said, no, they're healed. He said, and that's how I always, when, he said, I don't want you looking at her anymore wondering when she's going to get, you got me? Huh? You look at her and declare it's getting better every day and she's healed. You understand what I'm saying? And so he said, now I don't want you second guessing because then I was, I would go back later. <laughs> he says, stop it. Barb, stop it. Huh? You look at the way I tell you to look at it. You got me? And so these things are, are things that he does for our benefit because he dwells in us so that we would have his perspective on everything. See, if you say you're healed and you keep looking at yourself to see how you feel, well, you don't really believe that. You understand what I'm saying? You either gotta believe you're healed and leave it at that and quit searching yourself and patting yourself down and looking for this and looking. you gotta stop it. Amen? And so, are you, and, and do the things that, that bring you, you into alignment with God's word and not split off in two. One day you believe, if you're blue, you believe everything's gone to seed. When you're happy, oh, rejoice in the Lord and everything's in. Well, you know, you can't live in emotion all the time. You got to live by faith. We're not to live like that. We're to live by faith. And so when you live by faith, you live with a conscious awareness that God is working for you at all times. Whether you see it in the natural or not, He's working it for you at all times so Abraham found out how to live and obey the command of God he obeyed the the command of faith of the voice of faith toward him um, in Romans 4 18 we'll go there first. <sighs> when Abraham, what God said to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations, he had to believe that. He had to believe God had done it already, or this never would have happened for him. And he says, it, it says before him who." He believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. So that's one of the laws of faith. We have to look at something that's not and call it into perfection or call it the way it needs to be according to God's word or call it according to what God's word says about it. If he says by Jesus stripes, you're healed. Jesus bore stripes already. You're not healed in the future. You're healed now. And so you can't bring things back into, see when you, when you do that, you're putting a natural limitation, you're thinking of natural and not supernatural. See, that's why it says Abraham, it, it says here, who against hope believed in hope. So there's two hopes out here. You got it? Against one hope, he believed in another hope. So there's two hopes out here. The natural man has hope in the natural things. So you hope in the natural that you can, so Abraham and Sarah hoping in the natural, you can only hope for so long to have children in the natural. Because once menopause hits you or, you know, Macular degeneration or (laughs) whatever that stuff is, I don't know, going to seed, what? going to pot, going to seed, whatever. Once that hits you, then your natural hope doesn't exist anymore. And if you are to hold on for something, you're either believing in a fantasy or you're believing in God. Now, there is fantastic hope that people have that they want something to happen and they're not really in the word where it's concerned you got me there are people who are sitting up waiting on god to heal them and i can tell you right now if that's a situation you ain't getting it because if you're putting god's word his covenant into work in your life you're already healed and you're not waiting on anything god's waiting on you to rejoice. So they are hoping in something, but it's not the word of God because they die. And there are a lot of people who think they are believing God because they don't want to die. And they know they've been handed a death sentence, but they don't know how to get God involved in it. Or they've been told how to get God involved in it, they don't believe that. You give somebody a, a healing tape and say, just listen, put this in and don't ever take it out till you're healed. They're not going to do it, most of them. Got me? Because most of them been in church already and they've been being told how to get things from God. They don't do it. Who doesn't know that? That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that the word is medicine health to all your flesh? who doesn't know that So Abraham had to trade in see when you talk about natural versus supernatural hope you can't have both of them at the same time You have to trade one in for the other Amen Or if one slips out of your hands then you got to reach up for something to hope in if you're going to have that thing come to pass in your life and see as believers we're supposed to automatically reach up for what natural realm uh uh-uh, I think about y'all down here i'm looking to the hills where my help is coming from see so if you're going to live by faith a justified person does everything to do by faith So you're not concerned with what the natural realm says at all. So it says. Who against hope. That means he turned his face against this natural limitations. And natural abilities. Ishmael was believing in natural hope was the first hope. Now that he. Abraham has no ability for the natural hope even by himself now with another woman. He has, if he's going to get something anyway, he's going to have to have another hope come into his life. And that's the hope that God provides through faith. See, he's not believing on a natural baby anymore. He's believing a supernatural baby because God told him he's going to have one. And he says, He didn't consider his own body now dead. So he's impotent. He didn't think about it. He didn't speak about it, didn't wonder about it. He just was maintained by his faith in this other hope now that he has. Which I can tell you, the second hope is much stronger than the first one. Because really, you can talk yourself out of the first level of hope. Anybody can talk you out of that. Oh, you can't have that car. That's, that costs too much money. You don't have that kind of credit. You can't get that. That note's going to be too big. So even though it's a natural thing, many natural things are are unattainable for us. <laughs> I mean, if you're just talking about natural stuff. So you've always got to stay hooked into the supernatural and forget what the natural's telling you. And not in a boastful way or rejecting way or that's not good enough for me. I got something better. Mm. All these single people out here, God got something better for you. And it never shows up. See, God never spoke about people as being better or worse. Let me just tell you right now, when you hear people being graded like that, that's not God talking. He doesn't look down on anybody. And he doesn't look up at anybody. He sees us all the same. So that voice tells you God's got something better for you. It's a lie. He gives you the desires of your heart. It's not graded. It's just what you want. I'm going to say it again. God does not grade people. Because you're saved, you think nobody's good enough for you now. Or you're a queen now. You waiting for your king? just cause he wearing grays and greens to work and got grease under his fingernails. Not good enough. See what I'm saying? Just a thought. See, we have to be careful the things we assign to God. So Abraham had to abandon natural hope. It's always a good thing to do. Just abandon natural hope. Don't put any stipulations on anybody. Don't put any restrictions on them. Don't put no crowns on them. You can believe God for a manicure for them, but that's about it, okay? (laughs) Don't get too far. They nails look better than yours. You got problems there too, so. So he, against hope, believed in hope that he might become this fantastic idea that God had, the father of many nations. So everything about this new hope that he has is way beyond his expectation. So when you have something coming into your life that's way beyond your expectation, the only thing left to do is bow and obey God and not miss what he tells you to do. So when Abraham, when God came to Abraham this last time to reiterate the same promise he'd given him before he before, he said, uh he said, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. In other words, he says, Abraham, you can't miss a beat. If you're gonna get this from you, you cannot miss a beat. You're gonna have to walk before me and be careful where you let your mind go. Be careful the words you utter over your promise. Be careful. In other words, live as though God lives right before you all the time. In other words, imitate God as much as you know how to imitate him. Do the things he tells you to do. Obey the voice and the command of faith. Step out and do the things he tells you to do. When he told Abraham to walk before me, in other words, walk in my presence. Walk with me. Don't let me get. In other words, keep the word before your eyes. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Let it be the center of your life. This is how you receive the promise from God is that word has to be the center of your life every day. Every day. And he says, he said, he said he didn't consider these things why because he walked before god and god corrected his thoughts for him And when you walk before god it's easy to think the right things (laughs) you just stop yourself and say father i thank you i bless you and i praise you when you find your mind wandering off and getting stupid you just bring yourself back into the presence huh a hallelujah do it you know what i'm saying Anything you needed is walking before him and being perfect before God, because Abraham, we can't miss this, and it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. How do he do that? He walked before God. See when you stay connected to God, you don't stagger at what your thoughts are his thoughts. you begin to expect like he expects, and it doesn't make you a wonder. How it's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, you don't even clock into that mind. You're not concerned about time. Why? Because you're walking in eternity when you walk with God. You're not concerned about how old something is or how old somebody is or how old let's get it in here, God. Let's do this thing. Huh? Let's do this. <laughs> What's most important is Is obeying God, receiving what he has for you. (laughs) Whenever you believe God's word, you are operating in a hope that is against natural hope. You begin to know it because he does exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. If you miss that signature of God, you need to go back and talk to God about it. God, your word says I should get exceeding abundantly over all you ask a thing. Where is it? Huh? If it's not there, how did I miss it? Because I want it on the next train. See, a lot of people don't do that because they get too much pride to do it. We just say it's God anyway and go on with it, even though it's us and not him. You didn't co-sign his name to something you authored. You know, the point is to get what he has for you. It's not to fix it up to make look, make it look like he did it. Yeah. He says he didn't stagger. How did he not do that? Because he walked before him was perfect. Huh? God had already prepped Abraham for this promise. In uh, Genesis 22. Let's go there for a minute. <clears throat> He says that in, bless, in verse 17, that in blessing, I will bless you. He says, I've sworn by myself, okay? Verse 16, and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord. In other words, you don't need to do nothing, Abraham, except believe me. Just obey the voice of faith. Obey the command of faith at all times, and you'll get there. We don't have to figure anything out. We don't have to wonder if we did everything right yesterday. We don't have to wonder about the next day if we, you can catch up. You take two days off being stupid or in the flesh or, you know, the family had an outing or, you know, it just ran from place to place to place and all this kind of nonsense. And you didn't honor God. You didn't worship him. You didn't do your usual thing you do. You can still grab his hand and catch up. Don't ever count yourself out. Why? He said because he swore it by himself. He didn't swear it to you. He swore it to himself. God said, he said, you know what, self? I'm going to bless. Huh? I'm going to bless Regina. I'm going to bless Miss Pat. Huh? so he said that to himself and if you believe he swore it to himself you get it if you believe he merely promised it to you you might walk away from it but once you believe he swore it to himself and he don't lie to himself and he's not going to disappoint he's not going to break his word to himself He said, because you have done this and not withheld your only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as stars of the sky. Now, how many times has God told him this? This is how he got Isaac to begin with. When God said, walk before me and be perfect, what he did was he told when Abraham started to falter and started to doubt, God would tell him, now look up, Abraham. And he looked up and he saw his seed. And he would say, look down, Abraham. Everywhere Abraham looked, he saw God's promise. When he looked straight ahead, he saw the land of Canaan and the land of promise. So it was not only his seed. The houses they were gonna live in. He saw that every single day that he lived. He couldn't avoid seeing it. And that's what we have to work into ourselves. We have to remind ourselves what God has promised to himself about us. So that we can not stagger at the, the, the weight of it and the import of it. But we can keep faith in it and be fully persuaded. Not just on the edge of it or persuaded as long as in the natural it's possible. But we have to be fully persuaded that it's going to come to us from heaven, from a holy God who cannot lie. And he swore it to himself. And all I have to do is receive and believe it and be the recipient of it. Just stay in his presence and not miss him. It's not about not missing the promise. It's about not missing him. See, many times we're looking for stuff and God's looking for us to obey him and do something that's going to get the stuff for us. Didn't he tell him later on after he had the sacrifice, Isaac, he said, because you have done this, I'm going to do that. because you kept your end of the covenant that the voice of faith told you to do then i'll do this for you he doesn't bless disobedient people but if you walk with god every day i guarantee you're going to obey him you're not going to miss god it's too many people in the bible that found him and didn't miss him if you think he's real hard to to get along with and hard to do all this stuff you got another thought coming if you walk with him it's not hard you just have to keep your end of the covenant when he blesses you don't go get real happy and go off on a tear spending everything giving everything away and come home broke when he blesses you you honor him you bow down before him and thank him for it to god i just thank you for this i i was not expecting this this is you know and you'll understand that it's because you didn't let go of him. <clears throat> Somehow you stumbled on to finding the way to please God. Which is what we all do. I know as people make you think they do everything right all the time, but I'm not one of them people, so you know. Just just believe God. We all on the same we all on the same train here. Amen. <laughs> We are training to obey, and I want to get that straightened out. You know, people say things like training for reigning, or you reign with God. Listen, you got to obey God. You, don't. <laughs> you know, we have a royal family on the earth. I mean a real family, not these people over there in the Middle East that cut somebody's throat and set up there made himself a king and now all they got a dynasty and all that you know not that kind of stuff but actual royalty people who can trace their their authority over a seat governing seat for centuries and and see everybody in that household is being trained to reign see they're being trained to take on and assume the throne over that country. If you don't understand that, that that's your life work and you're going to be doing that forever, you won't embrace it as a possibility in your life. And see, this is where you see these people lose out. See if your your name is where Windsor's is that's their name over there. It's still their name. They're they're Windsor's, they're all gonna be trained to reign. That's what you're called to do. You're born into it, you can't unborn yourself out of it. This is your calling, this is your destiny. So even if you don't see yourself in the natural as somebody who would assume the throne. So let's take, for instance, who is who's the kid with the red hair, Harry? Yeah, the ones married to Meghan Markle. Okay, so Elizabeth, his grandmother, is still alive. So eh, you don't know how to her, her grandmother lived to be over 103. You got it? She was queen for over 75 years, Victoria. And so them some long-living people. But see, that's a natural consideration. So, but your calling is above natural. This is some, this is an inheritance. This is something in your bloodline. So it's not what you would call God supernatural, but it's a calling above. See, you had nothing to do with who, what family you were born into. This is your inheritance. And so everybody, in that family, is being trained to reign. But it's amazing how many of them don't receive and embrace the training based on what they think about what their purpose is in the earth. And see, people who are, when when you're around the one who is the heir, the firstborn, you're automatically going to be Trained at a lesser intensity than they are because they because of where they are in the bloodline and in the family and in the birth order, they would naturally assume it before you would. But, but suppose a disaster happened. See, you're the you're the kid that's there in case everybody's on the Titanic. Huh? And that doesn't mean that your training is any less valuable, or you should take it any less seriously than the one who's in first in line to wear the crown. See, you're trained to reign in spite of, because you don't know what might happen to whom. So if you're the the uh, where they call the the lone survivor, or the, the no no the uh, the what you call it uh, designated survivor. They, there's When they have the uh, State of the Union address in Congress, they have all the senators, all the cabinet, all everybody there except one person is a designated survivor. He has to be an elected. Somebody is a Senate. I think it's somebody in the Senate. They draw straws. So in case that whole thing blows up, we got one person left that, that has authority to run the nation in case the worst thing happens. That could happen. So when you're when you're involved in something, that's a calling. You have to be trained to assume authority and responsibility based on the fact that you're born into it. You can't get out of it. So to discount it. Just because it looks like you'll never take that position really means that if the worst happens, you're not prepared. And to walk away from your inheritance means already that you don't value it. Jacob I've loved and Esau I've hated. See, those who don't respect the birthright and the bloodline and the calling don't get much mercy from God. So think about it. Queen Elizabeth's still alive. It looks like when she passes away, her son, who is about my age, uh, uh, what's his name? Charles. Yeah, he's <laughs> the one without a chin. They all don't have chins, but anyway, it's a family trait, I think. But, but he will assume the throne. Next to him would be William, right? Harry's the one with the, Harry's the brother. Harry's over here in this country with his movie star wife and a baby. So training for reigning is not on his radar anymore. All he didn't get when he was over there, he's not going to get it. Amen. He's, He's broken, broken training, wants his own life, wants nothing to do with it. Why? Because he thinks it'll never come to him. See, whenever God is training us for reigning, we don't know what role we'll have to step into when. We tend to look at certain people in certain positions in God's kingdom as being all this and all that. But really, he sees us all with the same potential. He sees us all the same. He sees us all as being able to to make known the principalities and powers and manifold wisdom of God. He sees us all doing the same uh, uh type of work for him in the kingdom. So he doesn't have a rank in an order like we do and see ourselves as little and small and all of that. So his mother, Diana, went and divorced the family. She thought she could just walk off and leave. and The devil killed her in a car accident with her boyfriend. You understand what I'm saying? So she didn't accept his... Um, Prince Charles's uncle, who was great uncle, who was Queen Elizabeth's uncle, abdicated the throne. He wanted to marry a divorced woman, and he figured if he couldn't have them both, he'd leave the throne and take her. And they lived as recluses in exile all their life. He had property, had some things. They never got invited back to the, the main palace functions. He lived as an exile all of his life. Would have done better to just Tough it out. You know, hey, uh, baby, I got a call on my life. See you later. You understand what I'm saying? Which forced Queen Elizabeth's father into a role he was not mentally prepared for. And the stress of it caused him to die of a heart attack at the age of about 50 or 52. That's why she was only like 25 when she became Queen of England. But she stuck with it. See she dedicated her life and still does. She don't deviate from what they do and how they do it. You understand she's not interested in. she's trained to reign. You got me? And she's had her full training and she's assumed her position legitimately, legally, and she takes on the full responsibility of what she's called to do. That family, they tried to split that family when Diana died because all the people loved her and queen was against her. And they were going to put out some like negative things about the queen and the, the guy, Tony Blair, who was the prime minister over there. He said, don't you dare say that about that woman. He said, you'll never find a finer person. Then this lady, he said, from the time she was a young girl in her 20s, she's dedicated her life to this country, and we're not going to stab her in the back now. We're going to honor her. And so that's what's due when we take on the responsibility of God's kingdom, living by faith, training for reigning. We're all training for that. And we do reign with Christ, but he's showing us how to do it. We're not on our own doing all this kind of stuff. We're walking with him in everything that we set our hands to. And part of it, the major part of it is learning how not to miss the voice and command of faith when it comes up in your spirit. Learn how to jump on that right away and learn how to run with it and let God show you. If you miss it, let him help you and correct you. But always stay close to him. In obeying that voice. Because that's where your life is. That's where your help is. And that's where all the good things of God are. Okay. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for giving us understanding. Thank you for blessing us, Lord, to know these things. That they never fail us. Thank you, Lord. That the word of faith is near us. It's in our mouth and in our hearts. It's the word of faith that we preach. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are so near to us. That you know our end at the beginning. You know what we're going to wind up being. You know what we are now. You know how to bring us into the fullness of everything that you have for us, Father. And we expect that and we embrace it. Why? Because you swore to yourself because you could swear by no higher. There's nobody higher than you that you could swear by. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. All right, let's say our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, (laughs) and she can't get me. And I thank you, Jesus, that no matter what I see, by your stripes, I am healed. Amen. Amen. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. So be it. Amen. Praise God. Amen.